0: Thank you for listening to this recent message from The Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you on your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about The Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Well, hey, good morning. I want to say welcome to all of our locations, to all of you that are watching online right now. It's so great to have you this morning. Today we're going to jump right into John chapter 13 as we continue to make our way through the gospel of John. And we're going to hit on a theme that we've talked about a few times recently, but today we're going to see the stage is getting set for two of Jesus' closest followers to betray him. And and the scene is they're at the Last Supper the night before Jesus is arrested and, and put on trial and crucified. And he's going to have a face-to-face encounter with two of his closest friends that are getting ready to betray him. Now, this is the theme we've talked about a little bit in recent weeks. I've asked the question, like, if you knew one of your close friends was getting ready to betray you, you know, how would you respond to that friend? How would you interact with them? I'm just being honest. I would have a hard time being loving towards someone that I knew for a fact was getting ready to utterly forsake and betray me. And yet, as we go through John chapter 13 today, uh, we're going to see Jesus embrace these disciples with love, with understanding, with forgiveness. And as we read through this passage of scripture today, we're going to just point out a few observations along the way. If you've got your notes, you'll find the scripture is on there. Uh, Let's start in John chapter 13. I'm going to start reading in verse 21. John writes this. He says, after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter mentioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought, well, Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And it was night. We're going to pause the story here for just a moment. And I just want to point something out to you. By the way, uh, you'll have to forgive my voice. I might have to cough a few times during church this morning. I hope you're okay with that. I'm kind of battling a little bit of a cold. So hopefully we can get through this uh, without too many problems here this morning, okay? I want to point something out about Judas in this story. Uh, Here he is at the Last Supper. Jesus makes this statement that um, one of you is getting ready to betray me. And none of the disciples had any idea who it was. I want to ask you to consider for a moment, what does that tell us about Judas? The fact that he was hidden so well among the followers of Christ that they didn't even see it. They didn't even know what was getting ready to happen. I I think it points to the level of hypocrisy. You know, what it means to be a hypocrite is basically you are an actor. You're putting on a false front. And Judas was a, a phenomenal he was putting on this false front, and he was fooling everyone else around him. Nobody knew that Judas was getting ready to betray Jesus. And especially, they had no idea the level at which he was getting ready to betray Jesus. He was about to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. And if you've got your notes, here's the first thought that I would ask you to write down. Just a, an observation from this text is this. Although I can fool people by my outward actions... I cannot hide my sinful heart from Jesus. Judas was fooling 11 other guys around that circle, but he wasn't fooling Jesus. Jesus saw his heart. He knew about the hatred. He knew about the cold, meditated, murderous thoughts that were going through Jesus's, or through Judas's mind, even though he was sitting right there next to Jesus. And Jesus still loved him, by the way, but he knew. And I just want to say this morning that I believe that that God brought some people to the Rescue Church today to bring you to this passage of Scripture to just let you know, hey, you know what? You might be fooling a whole bunch of people around you in church and in your life and in your community and where you work, but um, I see you. I see all of you. I see what you're struggling with. I see the pride. I see the hidden areas of sin that nobody else knows about. You're not fooling me. And that's, at the same time, uh, both a scary thought and it's also a very liberating thought to know that we serve a God who we can hide nothing from. He sees all of us, and he loves us anyway. He's willing to forgive us and understand when we make mistakes and when we sin, and he's willing to redeem us even in spite of, of the, the sin in our hearts. But we're not hiding from anybody, not Jesus anyway. He sees it. Verse 33, as we keep going through this passage of scripture, listen to what Jesus said. He said, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now. Where I am going, you cannot come. And then watch this. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, I want you to pay attention to that phrase. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. I just want to briefly ask the question this morning, how did Jesus love us? We could, we could come up with a very long list today of the ways that Jesus loved us, but if you just want to write a few of these down, I'm just going to give you three that, um, that just come to mind as I'm preparing this message this week, is, is number one, Jesus loved us selflessly. Um, you'll notice if you turn to Matthew chapter 20 verses 26 through 28, we're not going to take the time to look at this this morning, but this is the passage of scripture where Jesus said, the son of man did not come to be served, but he came to serve man church. I'm just telling you modern day Christians need to embrace that reality of Jesus that he did not come to have, to have us serve him. He came to serve us. And then he calls us to follow in his example, Like we've been talking about in recent weeks where we are not called to look to see who can serve us But to put our own needs and preferences and desires aside and to serve others Jesus loved us selflessly. I would suggest jesus loved us sacrificially In that same passage in matthew. He says the son of man did not come to be served But to serve and then he goes on to say and to give his life as a ransom for many Jesus Christ came to this earth to lay down his life in a sacrificial death on the cross at Calvary. And you know what? A little bit later on in our service, we're going to observe a time of communion as we participate in the Lord's Supper and and do exactly that. Look back to the cross and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. And then I don't even know if this is a word, but I'm going to ask you to write it down anyway. I would suggest that Jesus loved us forgivingly. By the way, Microsoft Word thinks it's a word because it didn't correct it in the spell check, okay? So Jesus Christ forgave us. I gave you the reference on your notes from the book of Luke where Jesus is hanging on the cross after being betrayed and falsely accused and sentenced to death and beaten and nailed to a cross. He looks out on this crowd of people, some who are genuinely mourning his death and others who are mocking and laughing and jeering And Jesus speaks these words from Luke chapter 23, verse 34. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And you know what? That forgiveness that Jesus paid the price for on the cross that day, that extends to men like Judas. That extends to men like Peter, who we're going to see his part in this in just a moment. That extends to your past, and my past, and my present, and your present, and the future mistakes and and wrong choices and rebellion that we make against a holy God. Jesus Christ loved us that way. He loved us selflessly, he loved us sacrificially, and he loved us to the point of forgiveness. And, and I told you to notice that phrase where he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Are you connecting the dots here this morning, church, that the command from Jesus is, Since I came to give my life away in selfless service to others as I have loved you So you must love others give your life away in selfless service to others as I have demonstrated sacrificial love to you So you must also demonstrate sacrificial love for your fellow man Not just the ones you like either The ones you don't like The ones that are hard to love the ones That are not easy to get along with And Jesus is saying, just as I have loved you and forgiven you of all your wrongdoing, so too you must also love one another. Follow my example by forgiving others in your life. See, I want to park here for a moment and not just blow past that phrase, as I have loved you, we need to answer the question, well, how has Jesus loved us? So that we can be equipped to love one another in return. And then he goes on to say this, By this, by your love for others, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Here's another thought I'd have you write down on your notes if you would. Simply this My love for people is what truly sets me apart as a follower of Christ. Notice Jesus doesn't say, By this, everyone will know that you're my disciple if you memorize a lot of Bible verses or if you have perfect church attendance. Or if you dress a certain way when you go to church so everyone thinks you're really righteous and holy. Or if you listen to a certain style of music at a certain volume, right? Like, it's not that. It's not how much good works we can do. It's by how well we love other people. That will be the evidence to who really knows and loves and follows Jesus versus who doesn't. Can I ask kind of a penetrating question this morning church. How are you doing in this area of your life? I just i'll go first and tell you this is convicting to me Because this is not my default setting when I wake up every morning just to automatically love other people When I find the ability to do that, it's it's a supernatural work of jesus in my heart I'm able to love because he loved me first And I'm following him, and he gives me the power to love people in a selfless, sacrificial, forgiving way. Even when I don't feel like it. But this is convicting. My love for people is what truly sets me apart as a follower of Christ. Well, just a few more verses here. We're going to see the stage set for Peter's denial. Not only Judas, he's left the scene. He's on his way out now to betray Jesus and sell him out to the Pharisees. But watch what happens between Jesus and Peter in verse 36. It says, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. You understand the statement here? Peter is basically saying to Jesus, you know, where are you going? Obviously, Jesus is referring to he's going to heaven and and he's about to go to the grave and no one can follow him there yet, but you will. Your day is coming that you will experience a physical death and you will enter into eternity as well. But right now, you can't follow me is what Jesus is saying. And Peter's like, Lord, where are you going? I'll follow you anywhere. I would die for you. And Jesus is like, oh, Peter, Peter, Would you really? Peter, would you believe that before this night is done, that's what it means when it says before the rooster crows in the morning, before your alarm clock on your iPhone goes off in the morning, Peter, you will deny not once, not twice, but three times that you even know me, let alone that you love me. And we'll see this story continue to unfold in the weeks ahead. But I want to ask you for just a moment to consider. Here we see two different close followers of Jesus, and they're both getting ready to betray Jesus. But I I believe there's a difference. Would you just think about that for a moment? Like, what, what do you see as the difference between Judas's betrayal of Jesus and Peter's betrayal of Jesus? Can we agree that Judas, like, his betrayal... Was well thought out It was premeditated It was in his heart His heart was cold toward Jesus He didn't have a relationship with Christ He didn't love Jesus He was looking for an opportunity To betray him I believe Peter On the other hand Had a heart that was loyal to Jesus And yet tonight He's about to be tested Beyond anything he's ever been tested before And in that moment of stress and in that moment of weakness and in that moment of confusion and fear, Peter's loyal heart is going to make a mistake and he's going to respond in a way that's a very natural human way. It's still sin. He still betrays Jesus Christ and denies he even knows him. And yet I would contend that even people with loyal hearts toward Jesus sometimes make mistakes. I'm on that list too. That even though I have a heart that wants to follow Jesus and love Jesus and serve Jesus, there's times and moments of weakness where I still betray him and I still sin and I still fall down and I fail. It's not what I want to do. I'm ashamed of it when I do it. I want to be forgiven when it happens. It doesn't necessarily flow out of this cold, premeditated heart of hatred toward Jesus. I love the fact that that Jesus could look through that betrayal in Peter and he could look through the external shell of a coward and see the real hero that was beneath. And I want you to know something for those of you who know and love and follow Jesus, the Lord Jesus right now, this very moment, he can look through the external shell of a frail, sinful human soul that makes mistakes, and he can see the real Christ follower, the real child of God below that. And he speaks to what is the best in us. He calls out what is the best in us. Uh, Earlier last week in Flandreau, we had a meeting, and and I shared this verse from Matthew where, where Jesus made this promise to Peter. He said, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, even though Jesus knew that Peter was getting ready to utterly forsake him and fail. Jesus saw through the external coward to the man of God below the surface, and he spoke to that. He called that out. And so here's this moment between Jesus and Peter. But, you know, I want you to to make this observation, though, if you'd write this down. Regardless whether you're a Judas or whether you're more like Peter, here's the reality. My sin, whether premeditated or accidental, still required Christ's blood to be shed on the cross. Think about that for just a moment. Even though I believe Jesus understood Peter was about to fail him in his moment of weakness, the reality is Peter's sin, whether premeditated, which it wasn't, like Judas, or accidental, it still required the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ. It required his blood to be shed on the cross of Calvary. And I want to say to anyone in the sound of my voice this morning, whether you are running far and fast from God because there's a heart of cold, bitter hatred toward the Lord, or whether you really have a loyal heart toward Jesus and you still make some mistakes, here's what I want you to know is all of our sin put Jesus on the cross. He had to die for all of it. Whether it was intentional or accidental, it's still sin. It's still missing the mark of God's perfection of holiness and righteousness. And it cost Jesus his life on the cross. And he came and gave his life and shed his blood for you and for me. Tell you what, I'm getting ready to close this sermon in a word of prayer. And in all of our campuses, we're getting ready to just move into a time of silence and reflection and worship as we come together this morning for the Lord's Supper or communion. And before I sign off in prayer, let me just kind of give a quick um, reminder of what communion is and the power of the Lord's Supper. It's when the church comes together and we we look in several different directions. We look back to the cross. It's really a memorial service. What a fitting weekend on Memorial Day weekend as we think about men and women who have given their lives for our freedom. What, what a better weekend to remember the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for our spiritual freedom. Right? We look back to the cross and we tell Jesus, thank you. We use these elements of, of grape juice and, and a little wafer to... to symbolize the body and the blood of the lord jesus christ and it reminds us of the the horrible sacrifice jesus made for you and for me but then this is the really important part of communion there's an inward look that needs to take place paul says in first corinthians 11 but let a man examine himself let a man look inward and, and ask the question lord how am i doing in my heart between you and me today like how's our relationship And in these next few quiet moments, I just encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to search my heart, oh God, and know me, know my thoughts, know know what's going on inside of me and point out areas of my life that need to be confessed and forgiven. And when he does, just deal with it from wherever you're sitting and worshiping Jesus this morning. Just ask the Lord for his forgiveness for that area that he brings to your attention. And then finally, there's kind of an upward look in communion as well because we're told to do this until the Lord returns. And so we also take that look upward knowing that at any moment the Lord Jesus Christ could come back for his church. And we want to be ready for that. We want to be living in such a way that we're ready when the Lord Jesus comes to, to capture his entire church and, and take us home to heaven. So I would just challenge you as I close in a word of prayer. If if there's something you need to do business with the Lord today, just do it. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, man, church, today is the day. Please don't leave the campus you're joining us from. Don't log off of our iCampus before you've had a chance to, to really do business with the Lord and say, Jesus, I need a relationship with you. I accept you today as my Lord and Savior. Whatever, uh, whatever other area in your life the Lord Jesus would speak to, I just encourage you to, to just embrace that today. And let's come together as a church family around the Lord's Supper and thank him and worship him for what he's done for us on the cross of Calvary. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer today. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time that we've had as a church just to gather and uh, look into your word. Lord, we see in this scripture today two different men coming from two different angles to betray you but the end result is still the same one of them was really on purpose one of them was more in the heat of the moment a a very big mistake but both of them put you on the cross and lord that's true of every single person gathered this weekend at the rescue church our sin and we have many caused you to go to the cross of calvary for us And I pray that as we take a moment just to look back and reflect on that sacrifice of your broken body and your shed blood on our behalf, that we would respond with hearts of gratitude and worship, confession, repentance, and a commitment to love you and to love others as you have loved us. God, I pray you just do a powerful work in our hearts as you continue to grow and build this church. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray these things this morning. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv every Sunday at 10 a.m.